Hello, this is Michael Martin, President and CEO of the National Wood Flooring Association, and you're listening to the Real Answers Podcast. Today, as always, my partner in crime, Chris Zizza. How are you doing today, Chris? CNR Flooring in Boston? Yeah, I'm doing awesome. But today it's uh, WFI Wood Floor Inspectors in New England in New York. Ah. Yeah, I got got one down in uh, lower Manhattan tomorrow morning, and uh, I'm going to drop some custom samples off with uh, Essex in uh in new jersey because we got a custom job that we're trying to reel in and when we do those i try to pay pretty close attention to the details myself so i'm, I'm dropping this sample off in person rather than just fedexing it over well let's do talk about that a little bit that was actually on my list we just did a survey the 2023 outlook uh that'll be published in the next issue of hardwood floors magazine and um i was looking through the survey results and the articles that were written and I wanted to talk to you just a little bit about uh, what our contractors said the best opportunities for 2023 would be. And the number one answer uh, is custom work. So we'll talk a little about that. You bring some more of your stories there. Number one, custom work. Number two, refinishing. Number three, adding different trades. Number four, focusing more on maintenance and recoat. And number five, new in markets like commercial builder and institutional. So what do you think about each one of those? So number one was custom. Uh-huh. Number two was what, please? Refinishing. Refinishing. Of mm-hmm. course, it's the biggest margin out there. And number three? Adding different trades. Adding different trades. Not a huge fan of that. Um, and number four? Focusing more on maintenance and recoat. Okay. And last number five was new, new clients like commercial work? Yes. Builders. Institutional. Okay. Well, I mean... Custom, of course. I get it why it's number one, because that's going to have your highest margin. Interesting to me, and these are just my opinions, but one and two are your higher margin items. You know, your custom work is where you're going to make the most money. And refinishing, just by sheer logic, as long as you have your costs in place and you're charging the right amount of money for your work, you can sand three times the square footage that you can install on any given day. So Higher production means higher money. So that's pretty easy. When you talk about custom, did they elaborate on that or does it just say custom work? Well, these are the overall results. So it's it's everything put together. Okay. I feel like, you know, let's talk about the job I'm, I'm actually dropping samples off. Super high end. And, you know, this is what we do when when we get into the custom side of it. Uh, sometimes a project will come across to you and, you know, a designer's already picked something out and, you know, that might come from a big box store or wherever they got a sample from. And, you know, we'll get a sample in our hands and they're like, this is what we want to match. What do you carry or, or can you match it? So we always try with the brands that are in my showroom to match it first. And if we fail or if we don't have that exact match, you know, you've got to move on to what's the next step. I don't have a problem sending a pre-finished sample over to a mill, uh, over to a finishing plant. Like, you know, there's there's plenty out there. Premier is down there in North Carolina. Uh, Essex Coatings, Josh is over there in New Jersey. You know, there, there's one near you. And you got to, I recommend getting a relationship going because you can say, hey, this is the sample my customer likes. Myself, uh, in this scenario, CNR Flooring, we didn't love the wear layer. 
So we pointed out to the client that the wear layer was super thin. It was like two millimeters. And they were like, well, what do you recommend? I said, let's get an unfinished piece of wood and let's have it pre-finished for us as one option. Let me make you some samples on unfinished flooring as another option and let them compare it out. So in every one of these scenarios, you're servicing the client and you're going to get your margin for that. You're going to get your money because if you're engaged with the designer, the homeowner, the site super, and you're trying to make that process easier, that's how you stay on the bid sheet. You can't get aggravated. You got to suck it up, buttercup, and go through it. I'm is, serious. It's, is buttercup, it is buttercup one of your custom colors? <laughs> yeah, we have buttercup. We have ass hat. <laughs> I couldn't resist. It was out there from a from a previous. Um, yes, obviously from a previous one. Sorry about that. It's just out there, low hanging fruit, as they say. Um, but but honestly, light colors have been in, and being able to deliver that very low sheen um, has been a popular request. And the fact that I talk to my customers about delivering that with, you know, like a, like a Bona extra mat or a Loba invisible, you know, some of these urethane coatings that are totally flat. Um, I know Rubio Monaco uh, delivers that too. I, you know, I don't want to try to give anyone the head start here. The answer is you produce a matching sample in the custom market. That's how it works. And uh, I think we're good at it. Let's talk a little bit about if we're thinking housing is going to slow down and home building is going to slow down a little bit. How do you be more competitive and get into a market there with a little more strategy as opposed to just taking the business that's coming to you? Well, so I like the question. If we're thinking there's going to be a slowdown and and let me say it this way. The back half of this is if we're thinking there's going to be a slowdown, but none of us know when that's going to be, then this would be my recommendation. We've talked about it on the show in the past. We had a program at CNR Flooring many years ago called Find a Frame. And I don't know if you remember what it was, Michael, but basically when when any of our employees are out there driving around, even in their personal life, if they come across a large house or any house for that matter, being built, and it's, you know, it doesn't have walls or windows, or it's just got walls, no windows yet, you know that house is four to six months away. So we give our guys these little, um, you know, they can fill it out or they can take a, take a picture of it with their phone and text me the address, and now they own that lead. And, and if it turns into a job for us, you know, we'll give them a little stipend for it. But we call it find a frame because you're, picking that house while it's in its framing stage far from hardwood but that's when you're going to get involved in these customs and these the bigger the house the more custom it probably is you know let's go back to right in the beginning of covid we talked about creating our vehicle our leave our leave behind something that we can drop off with the homeowner find a frame drop your leave behind and start predicting that you're going to be quoting that one custom and you definitely don't have to, you know, fall out of your comfort zone. It, custom just means that we're trying to produce a look that the client has seen somewhere that they like. And, and so 
and out there, I try and avoid words like custom, and I try to use phrases like, oh, we've done this color before. Thank you for sending me that picture. It was very helpful, and I'm going to produce some samples for you to look at. And always, you can say this, and the customer will appreciate it. Always say things like, listen, if it's not exactly what you want, just give me your feelings on the color, and we can adjust in round two. We keep late. I make my own labels for the custom samples and I, I do them by the job. So, you know, ABC builder, you know, winter street round one. And I put round one on the, on the label sometimes, depending on who the client is. You know, if I think they're going to overthink round one and just automatically look for round two, well then don't write round one, just say, here's your samples. Um, but when I library them, it's round one, round two, round three, so I can then know where I'm at in, in the process. Um, but, the, but again, we're engaging the client. So, Chris, one of the other things we asked uh, contractors was, what are your plans to become more competitive? And in addition to custom wood floors and design, the other thing that came up was um, add a showroom. So for those that don't have a showroom, and you do have a showroom, um, what are your thoughts there? I mean, it's, you probably didn't start out with a showroom, right? You added it to this location or your last location, I would assume. Yeah, yeah, a, a few locations ago, but you're absolutely right. I didn't start out with a showroom. I started out in my parents' basement, for Christ's sake. Um, and even our even our first office was a tiny, you know, 400-square-foot garage. Certainly wasn't a showroom, but I built an office in in that garage and i and i had a wall where i hung samples so i don't i don't care where you are in your beginning or in your journey you know you, you got to have some format for showing samples and delivering you know images to your client and you know you you can build a slot in your in your van in your truck and slide them out do whatever you need to do but always be prepared to make samples until you decide that you're going to take that leap of faith and have your own showroom and, and join corporate America with a brick and mortar building. How many contractors leave a showroom open all the time or do they do it by appointment or more or more the high end high end uh, guys doing just appointment only, or how does that work? No, I, I think that's a great question. Um, you know, I couldn't put a percentage on it, but I know plenty of guys that, that are saying their showroom is by appointment only. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that um, as long as I recommend if you're by appointment only, you have to let your client know that it's okay to meet with them in the middle of the day, the end of the day, you know, because you're not carrying showroom hours. So there's not going to be that just drop in. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but I, but I, think, I think, you know, by appointment is totally legit. No worries, no problems. And how would you pick a location for a showroom? Interesting question. I know a couple guys that have done it. They've purposely gone across the street from the big box. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't say that I, I, they like it. I plenty of guys that are across from the big box and, and say it, it works out well for them. I don't like the strategy personally. I think I'd like, you know, easy access is, is one, but easy access usually means higher rent. And you don't want to wrap yourself up with higher rent. So I might say our last showroom, the one we have right now is very convenient. 
easy to get to. I'm right next to a very large grocery store and, and I'm in an affluent town. So some, you know, every week the clients in my town are going to buy their groceries and then they're heading, you know, right by my showroom. And that works really well for me. So think about, lo- you know, location is going to be based on how are your customers going to see you? My last showroom previous to this one was on the 95 corridor, you know, our biggest highway up here. And every day in the commuters would go by at 9 a.m. in traffic and go by at 5 p.m. in traffic. So we got a lot of recognition just by having that sign out there. Now, my new building is completely different. Uh, It's still a busy street, but it's not a highway. And we're in people's mind because they're going by all the time. Right. So that's my advice on a showroom on, on if you're going to have a showroom where you, where you're going to expect walk-in traffic, it's going to be by appointment only. Don't get hung up on the location because you're, you're a destination business. They're going to come meet you where you tell them to. Right. So what about with builders that have their own showroom where, you know, people go in when they're building a house and they kind of pick out what they're going to use. How do you integrate in that type of showroom situation? Do you provide specific product for them or do you have to man that or what, what works that way? So what I used to like to do, um, and we haven't had to do it in a while because CNR has taken a full shift into the custom end of the business. But when we were doing, you know, more multi-builder, you know, multi-home projects with builders, I would sit down with the builder and say, you know, here's the lines we're going to use. Um, you know, back then it was Bruce. So we would take and make a waterfall display for them specific to the project with five colors, eight colors, however many SKUs you're going to do. And we would put them, put the sample waterfall right there in the builder's office, in the sales office. And so, and in that scenario, I recommend you guys out there, buy the rack, buy the sample. Don't get your builder tied up in this saying, Hey, would you like this? And it's going to cost $200. Eat the 200 and get your sales. You know, you're going to increase your sales by having sales tools for the people to use. And most of my manufacturers that we've worked with over the last 37 years have always been willing to get on board with a little bit of a sampling program or a model home program, all good ideas for building business. All right. Well, that's all my questions I have on showrooms. Is there anything else you want to add before we sign off? Uh, no, I just, you know, I think one thing I'll, I'll say is, you know, I always like to talk a little bit about what we're doing at CNR this week. And I, and, and if it helps what we're doing helps direct your ship over there, wherever you are, that's why I like to share some of these stories. So we're having our corporate meeting for everybody in the company on Wednesday this week. And, you know, we're going to go to a restaurant, sit down. We got a, you know, private room and I'm going to engage our employees in what my vision is for the next five years, because I want them on the same page as, as myself. And I want their feedback on what my goals are and what their needs are. And specifically, when I say what their needs are, I know everybody's answer is going to be, I need more money. But I I don't want that. I want them to say, what do you need from the company? What does your crew need from the company to do your job better? So I'm excited about having that uh, meeting this Wednesday. And we call it a feedback meeting. And then um, I've been running analysis on wages 
And I'm, I'm happy to report that all of my guys' wages are up. They're all making more money than they were last year. Our sales are up. So we're, we're just going to keep analyzing and persevering forward and trying to help our guys be better guys and be more accommodating to our clients. That's going to be my message on Wednesday. And uh, so that's what we're doing right now. And that's really all I have, my friend. I well, appreciate everybody listening. I do have I one do. more thing, actually. Oh, um, jump in. Yeah. Well, I just was curious if you've had this problem. I ran into one of our members here that's uh, here in St. Louis at lunch today, and we we're just talking about business and things and and how things are going. And he said, you know, the, the biggest problem they're having right now is obviously labor. Um, the market hasn't slowed down enough that they're not that they're seeing, you know, really fewer jobs, but they are seeing some changes in in some of their employees. For example, he said that. He had a guy on a job last week that basically walked off at noon and said he'd put in enough flooring for the day. <laughs> Holy shit. What would you do with that? I'd punch him. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> well, I mean, what um, if he's really fast and he put in, you know, he put in a, you know, what you would expect in a day? Yeah, I think, I mean, honestly, what I, what I would do with that, I, the truth is I would want to punch him. But what I would do with it, I would sit down and I would say, hey, listen. What do you think the message is to our client when we walk out of here at 1230, quarter or one? You know, unless you started at 6 a.m., um, you didn't put in a full day. And, and our clients have expectations of putting in a full day. A full day doesn't equate to I did enough. A full, a full day means where is our project and, you know, is the step where we're going to stop now at one o'clock? sufficient for the job's performance you know sometimes you put down the coat you have to leave it's wet but on an install i would tell i would tell that guy also this you know the more days you work the more money you make and so if you go home at one o'clock and you left 500 feet on the table and you're like ah screw it we'll finish it tomorrow well tomorrow becomes to yesterday you're still doing yesterday's work tomorrow. So your production is way off, which means your sales are slumping, which means you're not at your full potential for volume. And volume is where your profit comes in because your fixed costs are always going to be there. And they only get better margin by increasing your volume of sales. And you can't increase your volume of sales if you go home at one o'clock. That's the conversation I'd be having with that guy. Very good. Well, that's all I have as well. Anything else, Chris? No, man. Let's keep it real out there. I appreciate everybody listening, and I hope you're having a great day.